I'm Selena Sage, and Live Free is for our collective liberation. Namaste and welcome. I was reflecting on one of the things I'm often asked, which is, how do you create a book? So since this experience is very fresh, I thought I would jot down a few notes, and I came up with seven broad steps that I'd like to share with you today. So when creating a book, people ask me, where does the inspiration come from? And the only answer I can really give is in quiet. It is in silence, when I'm very much at peace, that ideas start to flow freely when I'm unencumbered by thinking about other things that I could be doing or should be doing. (laughs) So it's kind of a meditative reflection for me. And one of my dear friends, Jean-Sue, who is an incredible artist, once said to me that creativity requires containment. Creativity requires containment. And that really stayed with me because it's true. You know, the creativity comes when I'm rested, when I'm in silence, and then these ideas just start flowing. Not always rested, usually rested. (laughs) And so um, I feel like steps one and two are kind of interchangeable. The two steps are idea and content. So sometimes the idea comes first, other times the content comes first. That's happened to me, where all of a sudden I start writing poems, and I don't have an idea that I'm going to write a book or that it's going to be a book. It's just something that spontaneously happens. So in that way, the content comes first. I prefer to write by hand. Um, I think all of my books have been written by hand first because when I write things by hand, I'm able to visually see it and process it, and it usually spawns other ideas So I'm a fan. Other people type it directly. So however that content comes to you, follow your flow. If it's by hand, do that. If it's typing, make sure you have a computer or tablet or your phone or something around that you can use that to capture the content. Now the idea aspect is how do you weave all of those ideas or all of that content together into a cohesive package? So if you've created the content first, then it's really about, um, you know, organizing the content into um, a way that can be shared through a book. If the idea comes first, which also has happened to me, like with my last book, Finding Freedom Where You Are, where I had this idea that I wanted to just capture this wisdom that I've been very fortunate to gain over the last seven years. So that idea came first, and then the content flowed, and I it came in several steps. First, there were these like quotes, these pointings, these ideas that flowed. And then as I was thinking about organizing the book, which is step three, the organization, I thought, well, I think it needs some art. <laughs> always like to have some type of artistic or... Um, areas for, or space for contemplation with colors or images within my books. So there was this idea, okay, I need some art. And then also these ideas are good, 
but perspective would really enhance the the message because people might not understand this idea on its own. So the organization kind of led me to add more to the original idea. So step three is kind of where you flesh out like how the book is going to flow. If you're doing a nonfiction book, there's infinite ways you can do this. If you're doing like a novel or fiction book, that's pretty standard. So the organization is usually like more in chapter form. So the process is, you know, how do I create those um, those chapters or break up this text into a way that flows and leaves the appropriate cliffhangers and all of that kind of stuff. So then the next um, part for me is the design. And this is the, it's actually my favorite part of the process after, you know, the the the, the kind of blissful channeling of the content. Um, the design is, for me, a lot of fun. So this is something that I recommend when you're trying to figure out how you want the book to look and feel, to hang out at a library or bookstore and pick up a lot of different books, especially books that you really enjoyed, because you'll get inspiration from those books. And I um, remember when I was trying to design the cover for my first book, Meditative Questions, I really got stuck. And I had uh, next to my desk this bookshelf. There was a book by the graphic designer Chip Kidd, who I will always appreciate. <laughs> and Chip Kidd is known for designing the cover of Jurassic Park and other, you know, famous book covers. He's he's awesome. And so I was, you know, I was working with my graphic designers and couldn't figure out a cover. And so I decided to just Google Chip and found his phone number and called it. And by some miraculous thing in the universe, he answered. <laughs> and so I asked him if I could just like hire him somehow to help me design the cover. And he let me know he was under contract with a publisher. He was actually shocked that I found his number. <laughs> so I'm sure he's not findable now. But um, he gave me some great advice. He said, I know this sounds really simple, but pick up books that you, where you really love the cover and study the elements, study how that is done and then figure out how you can replicate that with your book. And that is, you know, it's, it's actually like really simple advice and it sounds very obvious, but it's so brilliant because my issue that I was having with my first book is that my, my title font was too small. And so I happened to have on my coffee table uh, back then in California, a book by uh, Steve McCurry, who's this incredible photographer. He's known for having the um, Afghan girl of Time Magazine taking that image or that picture. And so he had um, this one book, one book that I had of his, was beautiful image in the background, which I already had. And then I noticed that the title spanned the entire width of the book. And I was like, oh, that's it. And so when I had the graphic designers greatly increase the font to cover the full width of the book, it worked for me. So definitely use the, the art that's already out there to inspire you. So also the font is a very important decision for me. And I always love um, font designers for all of the, the wonderful fonts they put out into the world. I 
have probably viewed thousands, if not tens of thousands throughout the course of my um, five published books. <laughs> so font is really important. There's a website called dafont.com, D-A-F-O-N-T. It's a um, repository of like tons of fonts and you can um, use that site to kind of search and if you're looking for like script or handwriting or calligraphy and get some ideas, you'll be led to designers. And I often try to go to their website to support and buy the font there. Um, you can also search through Google fonts. Google has a, a large um, repository of fonts that are actually all free. So that's always nice. And uh, Define is usually free too. You can download some, some are commercial, some are personal. You just have to read. But that's a great way to just kind of test out your font. Um, and that's when you've, when you've transitioned your content into Word document or Google Doc that you can start testing those fonts and see how it flows with your content. And the images and the art, um, that's important for me. It could be important for your project. Maybe it's not. But this is something that um, I think is is only you can only play around with this it's trial and error that you get a feel for how the art looks in your book if art is the primary purpose then you start there if you if you have like art and quotes then you you definitely lay out the art first if your book is more text um text heavy you start with the text and then you figure out how you want the art to enhance the text so all of that is, is part of the design work, and, um, and it's really through trial and error. Um, in this phase, I'll also say, once you've done your initial layout in, in Word and Google Doc, you might find, especially with art, that things are not flowing. Um, there's that classic meme that if you increase a picture in Word, all of a sudden 40 extra pages appear and then you hear sirens in the distance, that is real talk. So, um, so while it's good to lay out text in Word and Google, the, the way that you get the accurate positioning of images and art is actually through a program like InDesign. And so in my first um, three published books, I actually hired a graphic designer and design team to transition my um, my Word document into actually like a book format through, and they were doing all of the InDesign work. I can tell you that's very expensive, but it's also expensive to do it yourself, which I've done, which I actually did this last project. I um, had the inspiration to like pay my dis graphic designer for the time to learn how to use InDesign on my own. Because what I found is that when graphic designers um, put your book into the format, you really want to have everything locked down. You don't want to make changes. And for me, this is kind of impossible. I always have new ideas. And so then you're kind of paying to change the design within InDesign and you're paying for design time. And so that's expensive. So um, I actually got the software myself, which is also expensive. <laughs> so Adobe has... Um, Fortunately now, subscription services. I actually once upon a time had the software, but after various updates, um, I just switched to the subscription model. And you pay monthly to have access to InDesign, Photoshop, 
Illustrator, all of those types of programs. And um, that allows you to design on your own time. You have to learn how to use the software and then you have to pay for the subscription. So there is cost, but it gets your book into a really polished format that you can adjust to the right um, aspects of the future printing. And actually you wanna kind of design the book once you've determined how you want to print it. So you wanna know the size of the book that you want and how you're going to print it. If you're going to use a traditional printer, print on demand, or if you're just going to do an ebook, and we'll get to the printing in step seven. But that is actually, you wanna do that first, figure, figure that out first so you can set up the book properly in InDesign so it'll be ready for print. So you have to kind of like, once you have the Word or Google Doc, think ahead to the future book and then set up the parameters in InDesign to fit that um, final book size and requirements of the printer that you're going to work with. Lots, lots there. Um, editing is, I think of it also as part of the design process. Um, editing is really, it's, it's a personal decision. You can hire an editor. Um, you can hire like a copy, um, I forget what it's called, copy editor. and think they, they do all of the detailed grammar checks. Um, an editor, broad strokes editor will, will help you to organize your content. This is more important if you're doing like a traditional novel. An editor can be very, very helpful. And um, I, I know a great editor. Her name is Jordan Rosenfeld, and I'll actually include her website below. She's incredible. I actually met her at a writer's conference, and she's very good. Um, when I was writing a novel, still unpublished, she was very helpful in kind of thinking through that project and doing some great edits and assistance there. So having a good editor is very important for those types of books because you might miss things. For my nonfiction books that are Zen-focused, I actually have edited the, books my, edited the books myself because the concepts that I'm trying to portray I know may not be um, fully understood by an editor. So then it's not necessarily helpful if I'm spending the time trying to explain the book to the editor. So they could probably help with like making better sentences, but that's not what I'm so focused on. So editing is important. There are lots of paths there, and um, it's best if you can find the one that works for you. The title, the book title, this is something that sometimes it comes to you when you have the idea for the book. Other times it's something that you're working toward. Um, it's happened to me both ways. There's been times when I have a title and I'm like, I know this is the title. Other times I've, I've gone through a series of different titles. So I recommend that you keep a list. You know, you could have it on your phone or on, you know, have a notebook where you're just writing different ideas. You could also write a summary of what your book is about or what your book is. And that will help you to narrow down a title. It's, it's sort of a, it's a process of it in and of itself, but this is something you definitely should spend some time on because that'll be how you will talk about the book in the future. So title is important. Step six is all about protecting the book. So yes, it's true that if you just write copyright, um, you have some protection if you distribute the book and, you, and it's out there and you can prove it. 
But I always like to take the final book and officially copyright it. For the U.S., this is through copyright.gov. And this is a website, and you can set up an account. And to copyright a book, it's $65. So there are some costs, but it's official. You, um, you're you able to copyright it for that um, day. And it's locked in case you ever have like copyright infringement issues in the future. You've officially registered it, and that gives you, you know, I think the most protection that you could have for this kind of project versus just writing copyright and feeling that that's enough. There's also, um, this is kind of more for independent artists. So if, you've, if you're working with a publisher, these things can change. But if you're doing your book independently, um, I always recommend that you, have, you own your own ISBN and barcode. So if you do print on demand, sometimes you can get barcodes and ISBNs through them. I don't recommend that. I think it's good for you to own that yourself. I own my own publishing company, so I have everything organized under Zentao Books. If you're self-published, you can do a similar path. I just don't know exactly what that looks like. It might be the same. I just can't tell you for sure. <laughs> so Bowker's My Identifiers is the place where you purchase ISBNs and barcodes. There's a cost to this. If you plan to do mini books, it's um, helpful to get a package of ISBNs and then you can just buy barcodes as you need them, um, the $25 each. And you need an ISBN for each different type of book. So you need an ISBN for an ebook versus a print book versus whatever other type of medium um, or form format you're using for that book. So definitely invest in that ownership because um, if another publishing company owns the ISBN and barcode, then that can make it challenging if you want to do different things. Um, so own your own content is my recommendation for independent artists. And even if you're under a publishing company, um, own your copyright, you know, own your intellectual property. And so finally printing, um, like I said, there's, there's three main different paths. There's, you know, I'm sure lots of other ways that you can do this because art is art. I think of books as art. So you can be creative, but the three main paths are ebook, print on demand, and through a traditional printer. Um, I would say the least expensive path is ebook because you don't have the cost of like printing on paper. Um, so ebook is a way that you can distribute the book um, more quickly because it doesn't have that timing. But there is still cost with creating an ebook. Like I mentioned, the InDesign is um, an expensive software, but it allows you to create EPUB files. EPUB stands for Electronic Publications, which gives you a lot more protections than PDF. So I've distributed books both ways. I mean, it's kind of up to you. PDF, you have to know that it's probably going to be shared. People might print it. And you don't have as much protection over your intellectual property. My mission was more to share the information on some of my books more broadly. So I knew that was a risk, but I, you know, I accepted it. You have to make that decision for yourself. Um, my latest book I'm distributing for the first time is an e EPUB because it does uh, provide some encryption and prevent, you know, the straight printing of a book and all of the, you know, um, 
alterations you can do with PDFs. So EPUB is a recommended format. Also, um, Amazon has their own format, which you can convert from an EPUB file into Amazon's file. I'm, I'm not exactly sure about that process for Kindle because um, I know that if you distribute on Kindle, you're li- you'll likely only make you know fractions of pennies. So um, that's a decision you have to make because you can make a lot of money if a lot of people read it. Otherwise, you're just kind of giving away your book. So that's a decision you have to make. If you're writing a series, a lot of people go ahead and do the first book through like Kindle Unlimited or Kindle um, to gain traction and then they can sell their other follow-on books for a higher amount because people are locked in. These are decisions you have to make based on the platform and what you're looking to do. As an independent artist, I recommend uh, selling it on your own platform. That of course has its own costs, having your own website, creating your own, um, you know, distribution method of the content. I've used, um, WooCommerce allows you to attach the file and then when a person purchases it, it's ready ready immediately for download through WooCommerce. Um, your payment portal, you know, I use PayPal. They take a percentage. That's just how it goes. But that protects your customers and allows you to stay away from all of that credit card proce- processing. So using your own platform, I think, is ideal for independent artists, but you're limited in your distribution. If you're on Amazon, if you're on the other platforms, a lot more people see your work. So it's a trade-off and you have to ultimately decide what's most important for you. Um, I'll quickly go through the other two paths, the print-on-demand and the printing. Um, The two primary print-on-demand providers are Amazon and Ingram Spark. Ingram is actually the largest book distributor in the world and they... um, they supply bookstores, libraries, all of that. So they have a very large distribution network and they have this division called Ingram Spark, which I'll, I think I'll be trying for the first time with my latest book to see how that goes, where you, um, you set up the book for like $49 and then you are able to um, print and receive the copies and you can sell through Amazon for them. I'm not exactly sure how that works because I haven't done it. But you could also set up both on IngramSpark and Amazon and sell the Amazon um, created books through the Amazon channel. Um, Again, with platforms, keep in mind the platforms will make most of the money. So on Amazon, they pretty much set the minimum price that you can sell for, and it's usually pretty high. So your profit margins will likely be pretty low because that's just the way it works <laughs> on the, their platform. Amazon also has the ability to change your price at any time, which I is something I don't like. And I've realized that after having um, two, two books with Amazon Print On Demand, my second and third book, that they have full flexibility to change the price. Your royalty amount stays the same, but your royalties are usually like a dollar or two. So it's not like you're making a lot of money. And Amazon, um, one of my books, they they changed by like 75% less. So it really can devalue your art. And it can be a little demoralizing when you see that this is what their system is doing through some algorithm. 
Um, I don't like that, but that's just what it is. You get the Amazon audience. Most people go there first. So there's a give and take. Finally, the traditional printer, um, this is very, very expensive, but that's where you have the possibility of actually making more money with margins because your cost per book will likely be lower than it is on print on demand. Print on demand is very expensive because they're printing the book one by one. When you work with a traditional printer, you're, you're printing in volume. So each printer has minimums. Sometimes that can be a thousand books, sometimes 5,000 books, maybe 500 books. It depends on the printer and how they print the books. Um, there's traditional printing press, there's laser printing. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to print a book. This is something you'll have to research. And depending on where you live, there are printers that may be in your country or abroad. Um, I think historically the cheapest printing is in China, but you have a lot of um, other considerations that come into play. I didn't use a printer in China. I used a printer in Hong Kong, and I had an amazing experience. But what I can tell you is there's a lot of cost with printing abroad because not only do you have to print large volumes, you also have to pay for the shipping. So I paid, um, you know, thousands, thousands <laughs> for the book to be transported by boat. So I ordered, um, I even forget now, I think it was 2,000 books. So 2,000 books, each book's like two pounds, a lot of, lot of boxes, very expensive, very heavy. It was my first book, Meditative Questions, which is like a hardcover co coffee table book. But I was able to do everything I wanted. I have a dust jacket uh, that's matte, my matte finish. My actual book is a glossy finish. I was able to shrink wrap each copy and have sewn stitching and pick out the color of the stitching and have it be a green book that's like printed on soy ink with FSC certified paper. I was able to pick the weight of the book. It's a hundred pound paper. Like you can make every everything that you want um, custom when you work with a printer. If you do print on demand, there's just standards. Uh, you have a little bit of flexibility, but not much. When you print it with a traditional printer, you can do everything, but everything comes at a cost. So it can be very, very expensive. My experience was, was very expensive. If you um, work with a printer abroad, you might save on the cost per book and have a much higher quality product. If you, um, and I say higher quality because not every printer provides those options like I described with the sewn stitching and the types of paper. And um, so if, you, if you're working in your home country, it may cost um, more for a book that is not of the same level of quality just because of the print house. This varies. But you don't necessarily have to pay all the, the um, costs in shipping. So, um, so you have to weigh this out. I should also mention when I had the books printed in Hong Kong, there's the shipping, but there's also the process once the book arrives. You have to have a, um, I forget, and the the word is leaving me, but I had to have someone specifically to pick up the books. I couldn't like go to the dock. There's a company that um, is a go-between, and that was like $1,000 right, for, for a company to receive the books and go through the, all of the process at the docks and then to transport the books into storage or wherever you're going to have the books. Maybe it's your garage. 
minor in storage. That's expensive. So there's a, that monthly cost of storage. Um, and then you have to manage the process of distribution either through using a platform or through your own platform and um, handle the logistics if you're doing it yourself. So there's a lot of additional complications that can come up from this process, but um, it allows you to get exactly what you want. So creating a book has a lot of steps. It's quite expensive um, to do it yourself as an independent artist, but you get what you want. You're not um, going through the traditional process of rejections and changes and having a book that maybe is not the book that you intended. Um, though it may, you know, be at a publishing house that gets you all the marketing and sales channels, which I won't go into today. So there's, there's trade-offs in every single direction, but broadly, um, these are the steps that I, you know, I typically use when I create my books and you want to actually pay a lot of attention to how books are laid out. The copyright page is standard and important. You have, you know, odd number pages on the right side. You know, there's a lot of things that you don't think about when you're reading a book, but when you're creating a book, you really have to learn um, how those things are are done and have your design um, matching that, which is why InDesign allows you the flexibility that Word doesn't. So Word kind of puts your page number in in order of the document, but InDesign allows you to change your page numbers, have n pages with no numbers if that's what you want, and really manage that as a custom process. So um, again, this is Broad Strokes. I'm going to have an Instagram Live later today. So if you have other questions, about this or my latest books, which you, you know you can find all my books at zintelbooks.com to get a sense of of um, how those books are laid out and the sample pages. I invite you to join. It's through my Selena Sage author Instagram page, which will be in the episode notes. So thank you so much for your support and for uh, tuning in to this um, to this review of how to create a book. <laughs> I hope that it was helpful, and I wish you great success in your creation journey. Thank you for being here. Namaste.